0: I thought there was an unwritten rule where you kind of don't do the coaching carousel after the playoffs. But I also understand it's like, well, if you want the best, you know, you got to like go quicker than everyone else. You know what I mean? Like the later you choose, the less selection it is, right? Like, I don't know what I thought there was the unwritten rule. Am I wrong?
1: No, I think it's like, you know, early bird gets the worm. Um, I feel like this year there's been st- there's so many vacancies though. So I think that's why teams are so anxious to, you know, hire a new coach, because like you said, right, like you're going to have so much competition with all these different coaches. Um, there's some decent coaches out there too. So it's not like, you know, it's slim picking. So I think, um, if you want to get the coach that you want, you need to don't wait for the off season, get them now.
2: Well, yeah, like you said, it's like <clears throat> between you know Torts and everyone else. You you know Trot's just kind of still out there. So, would you you know break your rule if he's like, yeah, I'll sign with you guys? Would you break your rule with that, or would you just be like, no, I will wait until the after the Cup Finals? Because like if I were the team, I'd be like, yes, now Barry Trot's come. So
0: for a sport that's so steeped in tradition i would be surprised if they didn't just have a agreement just not announce it yet you know what i mean like i think the nba is a great example right um it's similar in that sense i mean their free agency starts and even the nhl it's like oh two minutes after free agency starts there's just a massive deal that's ready to be announced could you not do that for like the day after the Stanley cup final and just be like, Oh, and it then. I don't know. Okay. Maybe I'm thinking too into, into this, but it's, I just feel like a little bit of, Hey, what's, let's kind of make this a low key signing and I don't want to say sweep it under the rug, but kind of like, Oh, overshadowed with larger news. And the larger news being the Stanley cup finals, of course.
1: Well, like I wouldn't say like this is like the first ever time where you know you see coaches being signed in June, right? Like if you think back to like last year, right? Gerard Gallant got signed in around middle of June, right? Same um same with uh Dallas Eakins a couple years back. Like I don't think it's rare, but it, it is kind of an odd timing. Like I don't think it matters that much in the end. Like I like are you maybe worried that even though you've had like a handshake agreement, another team could just suddenly come in with a better offer and you know, your coach decides to leave for another offer because you know, it's just a handshake agreement.
0: I get it. Like you want to announce in June, it makes sense, especially for a rebuilding team or team kind of in the rebuild, like the flyers are right. So with the fifth overall pick, you want to have the head coach, involved in the scouting process and in the interview process for example right um and if you don't uh then this you know the players will walk in and be like why is John Huderella in my interview you know what I mean so I get it um but would you not want to kind of wait you know in between the the draft and the last game of the santa finals usually about like two three weeks right like unless they're like we were com- conducted interviews right now we're chatting with players and you know the coach wants to be involved like that's that's what i could see being i being the case like i don't imagine it's oh he's going to get swooped up by another team and he'll go against his word i don't think it's that like the only thing i could think of is they're talking with agents about free agents and talking to agents about draft picks and draftees and be like oh you know what we want to have our head coach in the room and. Unless we announce it, it's super weird while we have Torts in the room.
1: No, I agree with you on that. Like, I think it's like uh, I, I think if you want to have like a coach, you need to get them as early as possible because of all those discussions you have for the off season. I think, like you, you, you want to get the coach early too, right? Like you said, with all those off season discussions and like, I mean, yeah, it's a weird time. I think it's just because the playoffs are a little bit later this year because you know they had that. Um, originally scheduled for a potential Olympic break, right? So, like that's why the playoffs are kind of like running right into the draft and like almost right into the off season. So, it, I think that's why it kind of clashes. But I mean, there are two quick or quite big um, coaching changes, right? I think towards the Flyers and Bruce Cassidy, who was on the market for like a week, and he's already in Vegas.
2: Yeah, like <clears throat> I took a. A year or two off after the jackets and cassie took eight days after ber- being relieved uh from the uh, bruins like what do you guys think about let's just say like go the torts and the flyers like positive negative or is it just gonna be like a um like chaotic neutral kind of hiring do you think
1: well, I could tell you what uh, Cam Atkinson thinks and I can also tell you what Brandon Dubinsky thinks. Um like think Ad- well, Atkinson I think his reaction is because he's with the Flyers and he's had that history with with Torts um in Columbus. So I think he has to have a positive um like response to it or else he could find himself up in the press box or in Torts' doghouse. I think Dubinsky's um, comments are a little bit more interesting for sure. Um, But I I do think Dubinsky's always been that type of player that's had that, you know, snarky side to him. So I'm not too surprised by how he kind of responded to the Torts um, hiring. But, you know, I think it's good to have Torts back coaching. Like, I think he he, he was an okay analyst, but I think it's, you know, more exciting to see um, him Behind an NHL bench.
0: So this is my personal opinion, right? Um, I find that he's really good with younger teams and rebuilding teams who respond to, you know, a bit more tough love, I would say. Um, And I think... For a young team, that that message is very clear to them. But once you get to a veteran team, I find veteran teams maybe are a bit more uncomfortable with that and that it works for a year or two, but I find that they tune it out after a year or two. But the person I'm more interested in hearing this from is from Anson because his team, the Columbus Blue Jackets, actually had torts as a coach. The Habs. And the Kings have not. So the experience that I've seen is obviously different from the experience that my co-host has. So I've got to bounce this question back to you.
2: Well, I think you pretty much nailed it. It's like... Um, he kind of... Torella kind of takes like a... Under... Like a team that you wouldn't expect a whole lot from. And kind of... Like I said before, he gives him like a higher... a higher floor but a lower ceiling because of the style that he plays and like the way that he like you said the way that he coaches it's like tough love but i just think that it's a good like signing for the flyers especially that um they're stuck in a spot where it's almost impossible to rebuild so why not go for it and i don't think and I think it like sorry I think that hiring Tortorella as your coach for this task for the next you know four years, um whether or not he lasts the four years, different question, but um I think it's a good hiring that he will get you um a lot higher than you know you would expect like he in theory like from past experience, I don't think they'll be fifth uh fifth last in the league next year.
0: So, in both of your opinions, do you find, with the Flyers and their makeup, a team that could respond very positively to a guy like Torx?
1: I I think there's a chance. Like, you don't call Philadelphia the city of brotherly love for no reason. I feel like this could be a very nice match in heaven. Um, I think it's going to be interesting too because the flyers don't have claude Giroux anymore so it's they don't have like a obviously there's you know locker room leadership as well but it's going to be interesting like they don't have like a head person really um in that dressing room so i feel like if torts you know plays it well and you know is able to lead and like them like show leadership as a coach in that dressing room i think i think it could work out like i think also like there's nowhere else but up for the flyers like i feel like this team is not like the fifth worst team in the nhl this team should be a lot higher and i like i agree with Anton. like he can at least raise the floor um the question is just that can he bring them up to become you know Stanley Cup contenders which i think everyone should want for their team is it i mean
2: i think that this team has a few leaders i don't know if they're like you know de facto Captain leaders, but you know, like there's a few guys here I'm looking at Kevin Hayes, JVR, Atkinson, um, in a sense, Provorov. he's been there forever, um, Couturier, Ellis. Like these guys have been through the trenches, whether it's you know with Philly or with other teams. I think they've got a good group of like core leadership, and then they got younger guys, you know, like, um, Faraby, um. Lynn Blan Lynn Blount, sorry. Like Frost, all those guys who are like younger who could respond well to the whole Tortorella like tough love thing. And um I think um, I think like I said, I think it's a good hire. Especially with the <clears throat> with the guys that they have on the roster and like the contracts that um they have through the next like four or five years where You can't really move some of them. And if you do, you lose a lot of assets.
0: And with that, we'll start the show properly. You're listening to the Bag of Pucks podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. And we are back. Uh, Jeffrey, nothing happened with the Habs this week, right? I I didn't check.
1: I feel like it's been a while since we've talked about the Habs. But uh, no, there is... Another significant trade, kind of like the Ben Bishop <gasps> trade um, from uh, last week's episode, uh, Shea Weber has been traded to uh, the Vegas Golden Knights for uh, Evgeny, the uh, Um uh, I, I don't know. If this is uh, I, I didn't see these being you know trade partners, but uh, very interesting trades to say the least.
2: Did you know this is the last two uh, Montreal captains have been traded to Vegas?
1: <laughs> That's mean. That's mean. I'm fine with that because, you know, uh, well, for Weber, it's kind of like, you know, he's not coming. Like, Weber, we know he's basically going to LTIR. He's not going to Vegas. Like, is he even going to get a Weber, like a jersey, a jersey number? Who knows? But, like, I it's just an interesting trade because, you know, Montreal was one of those teams all the way up to the cap. So, you know, you would think that they would want to keep a Shea Weber so that they can, you know, go above the cap if they wanted to. But um, it's just surprising that it was them that wanted to trade Weber. I'm surprised um, that it was... Well, I'm not as surprised that it ended up being Vegas that um, bought uh, Weber.
0: They would have gone over the cap to get some forward help, right? Um, and I feel like they got forward help, right? So I mean, they we can use... I guess not we, I guess the Habs can use it to replace some of their depth scoring a bit more. Um, it's a good player. And is it not more or less a given that Petrie's gone this offseason?
1: I, I think you are looking to trade Petrie. Um, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they're going to get if its positive value or negative value in a Petrie trade. Uh, and I, I think it, it's interesting because... Montreal seems to be leaning towards the fact that they can't score. So they're getting all these offensive minded forwards like, you know, Cole Caufield, Mike Hoffman, um, Juane, Josh Anderson, and now if getting to Donoff, like at some point you need a guy like Tyrod Foley that they traded away mid-season that, you know, can play a little bit two way and I, on the wings. So I feel like they're leading so far that way. But now they're giving up so much on defense, that I feel like it's going to become a very negative effect on them. But, like, Petrie, I don't know if it's a given, but if if he does get traded, they're going to need defensive help as well. Awesome. Before you jump in, but counterpoint to that,
2: are these guys going to to be here and, like, contribute in the next two years? Right? Like, I don't think the Habs are really contending. So, these guys here currently, I think they're more of, like, trade bait for most most part. Like, not Suzuki, obviously, not Coffee, but, like, the rest of those guys are more trade bait, more so than building towards or using them towards the future core.
1: Well, I don't think the Habs are in a situation where they're trying to throw away here. I think they're looking to make it back to the playoffs. Like, this isn't a trade where they're just getting an asset that they're going to trade in you know, like at the next trade deadline. I think the Habs feel like they can make a push for the playoffs, like especially if they get like Shane Wright at the draft. Like this is still a playoff caliber team, so I don't think that they're trading for off just so that they can have an asset to flip for picks later.
0: I I guess my question is I'm talking about caps and everything, the cap and everything. Um is the big elephant in the room not carry Price's contract?
2: Whether or not he plays next season is still a question mark.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, Jeffrey mentioned the Habs are tight on the cap, right? And corn to cap friendly, they've got $1.9 left. And they've got to re-sign a couple RFAs, a couple UFAs, right? Guys like Kale Clay, Kaden Primo, you know, there's guys to be signed. John and Drouin still in the IR with five and a half million. But if Cary Price can't play, that's ten and a half million in flexibility that you can use now. Right.
1: Yeah. I think with Cary Price, um, he didn't look great in his five game, almost like audition to see if he could still play. And I mean, like, you're gonna have to wait until training camp right yeah he's had a couple of procedures done to see if they can get him back to you know his Vesna form or even heart trophy form but I I think you know I think if you're a Habs fan like myself you're hoping that Price comes back right like you don't want to see him you know just sell off sail off into the sunset and you know go into LTIR land like I think if you're your Habs, you're planning that he's gonna be playing. And even if you're he's not, like you still have Jake Allen who, you know, had a rough season, but I think in general the Habs overall had a rough season. So I feel like they have enough of a contingency plan that they're not too affected by it.
0: But I'm not saying about Inet, net, right? I'm just saying about cap though.
1: Well, I don't think that they have too much to re sign. Like they have you know, a decent amount of players already signed going into next season. Um, they could use cast base, but like if you're saying that Petru is going to be dealt, I think that's opening up enough that you think like you can, you know, f- fill out the rest of your roster that way.
2: But that's also kind of contingent on if Druin makes a comeback, too. He has a pretty hefty
1: salary. Like, I'm pretty sure Druen is coming back for next season. Like, I don't think it's, like, something where he's going to be on LTIR or something for his last season. I think he's, like, bound to play. Like, last season he had a rough season, but I don't assume that Druen's not playing next season. Like, yes, he shows up on the IR on Cap Friendly, but I don't assume that he's out for the entire season.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think he's out for the season either. I think it was just a one-time thing more than anything.
1: So, like, I, I know, like, with the Weber trade, I think we also need to look at the Vegas side. I know I talked too much about the Habs, but, like, from Vegas's point of view, like, this is, you know, they're just trying to make more and more space for them to go over the cap, and they're going to need it. Like, they still got quite a few people to sign, even though they're already over the cap going into next season.
0: But we'll, we'll come back to the, to the Habs here. There was another rumor going around that there might be a certain team interested in Josh Anderson. Have you guys heard this one?
2: I think I've heard teams were interested. I haven't heard a specific team, no.
0: So this was a team that wasn't specifically known to be interested, but, you know, considering maybe it could be a good fit, your Columbus Blue Jackets. Whoa. What... What would he do to a team that comes with Blue Jackets? Is there a fit there? And I think trying to defer to you would be giving me a better question than for me to guess. So Josh Anderson to the Blue Jackets, what would that be like?
2: Was there like a proposed trade or was it just a like um, like Blue Jackets were calling about him?
0: I think more of a, I wonder what, I wonder if Anderson to the Blue Jackets Would be an interesting idea, I guess. Type of deal.
2: I kind of get it, but like with the term and his age, it's kind of like a again. Is it like when he's when his contract up? He's like what thirty three, I think thirty four. So it's not horrible, but it's kind of on the um, the start of the start of the decline for him. I would presume more or less. Um. Especially with the way that he plays, it's just like very physical. It's like generally guys with his play style don't go until they're in their like late thirties, forties, right? Um, I'd say I'm kind of for it, depending on obviously on the return, especially with the whole term that he's got, um. We have cap space, fuck, like, that's something that we could definitely use, and he's, we've had him before for the last, you know, besides the last couple of years, we had him for the last, like, five, six years, we know he's capable of, um, it's definitely a interesting one, but I'm also not completely sold on it.
1: I feel like this is probably also contingent on what line A signs, right, like, if you look at their winger depth, they've. Got Voracek, Nykvist, Bjorkstrand, and well, if Laine resigns, that's probably your top six. You throw in Anderson, like training for a guy for that much, like a cap hit to probably to send one of, either one of your current wingers to the third line, or put Anderson on third line, and you've still got guys like Kent Johnson and Chinnikov that might you know have to play next season on the wing. So like to me, it it seems like a fit only if Laine doesn't come back. But if Atlanta does come back to Columbus, then I feel like this is this trade rumor is uh, done.
2: Yeah, but also at the same time, like Nyquist comes off next season. Um, Voracek, yeah, he's got a big contract, but at the same time, it's like a couple years here and there. It's not the end of the world. Especially like, why is 24? He's not like 35. It's whether you send him to like, you know, a two year contract or a, I don't know, eight year contract, he's still going to be tradable with a player of his caliber. Like, you don't, those guys just don't grow on trees. They, guys who have, you know, Cy Young stats where it's like 20 goals and like four assists, that's, just, you know, I think it's hard to find that then. Ten and ten.
1: No, no, that's fair, but I think that just proves a point. Like, yes, Nyquist is up in a year. Fortech is up in two years. So why do they need Anderson now, right? Unless Liney is leaving, they don't need Anderson now. So why is, why do they need him? So I, I, just think this rumor is probably mute because I'm. I have a feeling. I don't know if you have a sense, Anson, but I feel like Liney is probably resigning with Columbus.
2: I haven't heard anything, but you know, as a homer take, I would be inclined for him to reason, uh sign a contract extension. One of the better like better bigger and like better marquee names and him having like a I guess in a sense like a personal relationship with the GM, I think all signs point towards him uh signing extension, but at the same time, if he doesn't, it's mostly because I would assume Based on track record, like Kekalainen is a very hard negotiator, and that could be the reason.
0: I feel like we're going to go in circles here. So, as Jeffrey mentioned, done deal. Is the Stanley Cup final a done deal? Is it too early to say that?
2: This is a hot take.
0: Yeah. I'm sorry. Are you new to the Bag of Fox podcast?
2: I'm new in the month of uh, June.
0: Yeah. Not news of the podcast. You know, the boy, your boy is the king of hot takes. So that's my hot take. Is the final
1: done? I think when we saw in the conference semifinals, when Rangers um, were two up against Tampa, I think we all thought, oh, is Tampa done? And then they uh, wound up winning four straight to take the conference semif- uh sorry, conference finals. Um and right now, it kind of looks like it's going to be the same results where Colorado's going to win those first two games at home. Um, I'm pretty sure me and you all sent our predictions were Tampa and six. So if we want our predictions to be right, we're going to expect Tampa to win their two at home and then continue on a roll and reverse sweep the Avs at this point. So no, I don't think it's a done deal. I think I want my predictions to be right. I'm hoping to see Tampa regroup when they get back to Tampa, and you know. Rally off 4th Street.
2: I mean, I'm just more surprised that it's kind of this wide open. And by wide open, I mean, like, it's 4-0 in the Game 2 as of right now. It's just like, did I see this coming? No, I kind of saw, like, a, maybe like a 3-2 or even like a one oh for one of these teams, just based on the way that I've been playing. But I did not see the Avs, like, offense just taken over like this. And I also didn't see Vasilevski kind of just kind of like, is there wear and tear on him after all these years, do you think? He has played uh, basically, like, extra half a season more than the other goalies, the other players.
0: I I think it comes down to that, right, is the amount that they played catching up to them. Is it... like I I can't imagine... Because I know some people say, oh, you know, they've lost motivation after winning a couple. There's, it, it isn't, it's not that, right? Like, there's no way anyone's just like, oh, man, the, you know, the Avs are hungry, the Lightning are not. Like, I don't think players need motivation to play in San Hill Finals. <laughs> Game 82 of a team that's in last place. Yeah,
2: you have motivation to finish those sixty minutes, like quick.
0: Okay, fine. The like, game seventy nine of you know if you're last place team, you're like whatever. You know yeah. what I
2: mean? Like those sixty minutes don't matter to you, really.
0: Yeah, you're playing for you know, especially if you've got a long term deal that you don't that can't be moved. You know, you're just like, oh well, you know, I'm here next year and whatever, right?
2: It's five oh. It.
0: Yeah, Stanley Cup final, ridiculous. Like ridiculous to even consider that, right? Like, I think it's just coming down to. The depth of the Avs coming to life. You know what I mean? Guys like Nichushkin, guys like Helm, right? Like.
2: Comfort, Barakovsky.
0: Comfort, Barakovsky, supposed to be Kadri. Like, the depth there is not what we expected, right? Like, in terms of goals. McCar, Landeskog, um McKinnon. Like, I know we're in the middle of the second second game. That's when we're recording this. But they've combined for one goal, and that's Landeskog, right? Yes, they've had assists, but they yeah. haven't scored any goals except for the one from Landiscog. It's all been depth scoring.
1: I think though, like it's still too early, right? Like, remember the Rangers beat the Tampa Bay Lightning's in game one, six, two, right? Like, and then, you know, game two is a little bit closer and then game three to six, Tampa won, right? Like, I don't think like, yes, you know, Colorado's got depth, but I think Tampa's got depth too. Like, it's not like, like we said, like both teams are very well constructed. Um, Tampa, maybe they haven't, you know, they're dealing with some trouble playing in the thin air, right? Also the fact that, Colorado's played what probably like five six games less than them so far in the playoffs so like uh or sorry not five six games but like um uh, like three games less than what uh Colorado's sorry Colorado's played three less games than Tampa right because they've had a couple of sweeps in there so like I I think if with the way you're looking at it right now I think you know Tampa's just getting up to speed and I wouldn't be surprised game three we see them dominate
2: yeah because like they- We've seen Tampa's depth come to life, but I think I think losing Goudreau, losing Coleman, and Gord like your third line, your like solid third line, um, like your trusted line. I think that's a bit different than putting out. I think it's a third line. It's like Hago, Colton, and I. Is it who was the last one? Like Sorelli. I don't really know, but it's like Correlli. right. So I think it's a bit different in this for that uh, with Tampa. But I think with the deadline acquisitions from the apps, so you could tell, like, this is, like, Sakako, and, like, this is throwing, not all the, mar- all the marbles on the table, but, like, it's it's a lot. It's just, like, all these guys that he's traded for, he's, like, you know he can't re- uh, re-sign, like, Kadri, Petushkin, Burkoski. Like, he can't sign all those guys this offseason. They're all UFAs, and, you know, they have quite a bit of cap space, but do you think that they can resign all these guys? Because, I don't think so, especially if you want, like, a good depth, um, good depth lines. I don't think so. Like, a couple of them have to go for you to kind of have a rotating line of third, fourth liners.
1: I think in the end, though, I think Sakic, We recognize like this was the year they had to go for it. They went for it. And now, you know, they're up five, nothing now, right now in game two. So they've, he, he's pulled the trigger. It's looking good so far. Um, We'll just have to wait and see, right? Like, can they, you know, go all the way basically at this point.
0: So I didn't hear from Manson, a definitive answer is the hot take, the one you're, you're standing by.
2: Sir, what's the hot take?
0: Is the Stanley Cup final over? Decided, not over. Decided.
2: Like it's it's you know the abs to lose. No, I I don't think so. Like especially with like you're talking about their opponent is a back to back Stanley Cup champion. I don't think it's over. Like like Jeffrey said, um, we saw Tampa get. I honestly they got. Destroyed by the Leafs in the first game, and we're like, "Holy shit!" And then, sure, they swept uh, Florida, but again, like you said, Rangers game one wasn't close. There were a couple games where Vasilevsky has been shaky that we haven't seen before, and I think um, it's kind of thrown our faith off of him. But these guys are back-to-back champions, and you can't discount that at the end of the day. whether, you know, they go down 3-0 next game or it's 2-1. Um, to me, these guys have the experience. Like, most of these guys are returnees, right? Like, they've, they've gone through it all. It's, it's the Corey Perry team. It's like they make the finals every year. But I think that, I don't think it's over. But I, but I do think that depending how Nick's game goes, Obviously, really swings it, because the ABS have been like dominating, in my opinion.
0: All right, I guess we'll see. Um, before I go to my stupid question of the day, guys, uh, any else you guys want to talk about?
1: Can we uh skip the stupid question or do you have to do it?
0: We'll change it up and we'll have another segment of Jeffrey explains, but because Anton's here today, we'll have Jeffrey and Anton explains. Does that sound good, Jeffrey?
1: We can't say no, as I've learned last week, so go on. That
0: go is correct. So today in Jeffrey Explains, and I guess featuring Anson, I'll give you guys a choice between two, and you guys will pick which one you want to talk about. But I want you guys to discuss which one we want to talk about first, so you guys are talking about the same explanation, all right? So the first one is, what is a screen? And the other one is describe the sky. What is, like, describe the color of the sky, sorry, without using the word blue.
2: I wanna, like, know your thought process into coming to these questions more so than anything else.
0: Uh, uh, not much, honestly, dude. (laughs) So you can tell I changed the question while it's saying it out loud. No, I figured
2: and they don't relate that's the thing yep. that's why i'm like that's the fun
0: part yeah describe what a screen is and the other one is describe the sk- color of the sky without using the word blue now my two co-hosts today please pick amongst yourselves which question you'd like to ask just answer just make sure it's the same question
1: i feel like the sky is a easier question don't you think anson
2: If it's restriction is not blue, you can go it's like opposite of red. (laughs) Just keep saying that over and over again.
0: I mean, I mean, is the opposite of red blue? I mean,
1: I'm pretty sure the opposite of blue is orange. I'm pretty sure if my art class knowledge does not fail me, I'm pretty sure orange is the opposite of blue, but like I think why don't we let Anson go first. Anson, please describe the sky without using the color blue. This is fun. Also didn't choose this question.
0: <laughs> is this is this a question you'd like to answer? If not, again you can figure it out with Jeffrey which question you want to answer.
2: I like screen's partially easier be but without describing blue that's so stupid.
0: <laughs> I can't just have you be like, hey, describe the, the, the sky.
2: Blue <laughs> There are clouds. Sometimes it rains. Sometimes it snows. Sometimes the sh- uh, the sun shines through. So,
0: what is your description of the, of the sky again?
2: That was exactly it.
0: Say Can you say it again?
2: Uh, sometimes it rains. Sometimes it snows. Uh, the, su- the sun the shines through, and then it, at night. Uh, it turns. I don't know. Like dark because the sun the sun goes down.
1: Okay.
0: I'll take that. Um, And because you went first, I'm going to make it harder for Jeffrey. He can't use the words rain, sun, did you say snows? Yeah, snow. And did you mention clouds?
2: Probably, but like...
0: Clouds. So yeah, you can't use the words rain, sun, cloud, or snow. (laughs) You have (laughs) no idea.
2: (laughs) You have no idea how fucked you are.
1: The sky... Is something that you see when you go outside and you look up, and you see the different colors uh, um, that your eye perceives as light refracts through the atmosphere, and is perceived by your eyes. It can be many different colors depending on you know how the sun hits the different particles up in the sky, but it's kind of you know what you you know it's how the sky's how you perceive it, right? Like some people see the color that should not be named. Sometimes we see, especially the sunsets, we see the nice yellow, orange, and red hues. Um, Every time a volcano goes off, um, it actually changes the hues of the sunset color. So it's actually really cool when you see that. Um, And sometimes you see the uh, the water cycle that we all learn in grade two of uh, evaporation, condensation, and precipitation. So you see... The entire water cycle so the sky is what you see outside um and you'll get to see a whole bunch of colors depending on how the light reflects into your eyes i didn't don't think i used any of the words that have been banned am i correct
0: i believe so and i'm incredibly impressed by my co-host today this is an incredibly stupid question i asked um so great work and uh, that's my dumb question of the day I don't think Jeffrey's going to be asking to switch out them questions of the day anytime soon anymore. Um, final thoughts.
1: I stand by my prediction of Tampa in six. So uh, it's going to be fun. Wait, you have you have Tampa win next four in a row?
0: That's a hot take.
1: If you listen to me, and if you listen to me and Alson's, uh episode last, Clearly week, not. You should know that we both said Tampa in six. So yeah, Tampa in six. They're going to win the next four.
2: I'd be shocked if they' win the next four. I wouldn't be surprised, but that'd be pretty impressive if to win your third to win your like third cup in a row with a four game like last sweep, but like four games in a row, that's pretty impressive, but I'm leaning well, I can't jump it now because it's already two games in, so uh, I'll pass on that one. Uh,
0: I stand by my hot take that's over and uh, we'll see. Hopefully by the next episode we have. We'll see. Um, And yeah, love y'all. And we'll chat soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Bag Fucks Podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. You want to complain about us? You can tweet us at BOP underscore POD on Twitter. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you soon.